there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. This I foretell, Elida replied, and swear under the light that I can say no clearer. From this day, Andor marches toward pain and division. The shadow has yet to darken to its blackest, and I cannot see if the light will come after. Where the world has wept one tear, it will weep thousands. This I foretell. Chapter 40, Eye of the World. Can you believe we were at chapter 40? I think we only have three more episodes for Eye of the World, and then we're finished. I'm but, so excited. Yeah, but hello, and welcome back. Uh, I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Mm-hmm. Today, we are going to be covering chapters 39 through 42 of the Eye of the World. And we are starting off with the first chapter called Weaving of the Web. Mm-hmm. And we are back inside the Queen's Blessing with Matt and Rand in their room. And a few days have passed, and today is the big day that Loghain, the false dragon, will be paraded through Camelot. It's exciting, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Rand is trying to convince a very grumbly Matt to come with him. But Matt won't get out of bed, and Poor Basil Matt. Gill offered to get a healer, but Rand has declined. Yeah. Now, before Rand leaves, Master Gill tells him that this crazy beggar man has been asking around for Rand, mm-hmm. and there are rumors of dark shadows lurking around the city at night, mm-hmm. and he tells Rand that he should leave through the back of the inn. And we are getting this impression that the inn is being watched. Mm-hmm. Basilgill has hired some doormen to keep guard of the inn. Langwin, Lam, Lamwin, Lamwin, Lamwin. <laughs> I don't quite what know a, how see, to say is, that name. <laughs> this is what makes me think that when Robert Jordan was writing stuff, things just got out of hand, and he was like, "Oh, this makes no sense," but it could be a cool name. Yeah, Lamwin. Lam Gwen. I so, love it. Lam Gwen is watching the street from the back door, and he also has people guarding the front door as well. Mm-hmm. And we learn as Rand is kind of taking off through the city the colors of the armbands and the cockades and the fabric covering the sword hilts that people are wearing throughout the city have two different meanings. Mm-hmm. The ones that are wearing red are loyal supporters of Queen Morgay's, mm-hmm. and these people are outnumbered about 10 to 1 within the city by those who wear white. And those who wear white believe that the current problems within the city are all coming from the Queen's involvement with the Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. Tensions are rising in the city, and... Ran is kind of witnessing this as he's stalking about and, you know, going through the back alleys and corners of the city. And there are groups of people pushing and shoving and it's red versus white. Yeah. And he doesn't feel safe. No. Yeah. Because he's so outnumbered. Mm -hmm. And like, 
And he's tall. Yeah, yeah. Everyone and anyone can see him. He's a target for sure. And I think it's important too that we get this little bit of information on how people are grouped up and pushing and all trying to kind of flow in the current of the streets. It's just big groups Mm -hmm. kind of pushing together as one big solid mass. Mass. Mm -hmm. Exactly. One of the things that I thought was kind of sweet on Rand's part is when he wakes up on this day and he sees everyone streaming to go where they're going. He's like, well, maybe today everyone can set aside their differences and everything will be okay. And definitely not the case. I love your optimism. (laughs) It's so sweet and endearing. But of course, no, that's not that's not what's what's going to happen. No. So he's making his way from the outer part of the city, which is called the new city for the inner city. These closely packed people are pushing and he's getting close, trying to get a good viewpoint so he can see Loghain. And then mm-hmm. this dirty beggar, whose face is kind of partially covered by his cowl, makes eye contact with Rand and then does this very cryptic, like, pointing. And Rand is... Right at yeah, him! And Rand is just right like, oh, hell no. And he takes off. And he is running. And he's not really looking back and just hauling ass as fast as he mm-hmm. can. Yeah. So he's running for a while and then decides he needs to find a new place where he can watch the procession. So he climbs up a wall, scrapes up his hands on the way up, (laughs) and he eventually sees this parade of Aes Sedai and the cart, which is holding a giant cage with Loghain in it. Mm -hmm. And he notes that Loghain is looking, even in his normal clothes that would not make him stand out anywhere, He looks regal like a king. And there are six Aes Sedai looking calm and warders with the Aes Sedai scanning the crowd for trouble. Mm -hmm. And then among them are the queen's guards. So they're also kind of on the other side making sure that the crowds aren't pushing and shoving too much. Mm -hmm. As Loghain passes by the crowd, everyone's silent And Mm -hmm. then as soon as he breaks eye contact with whoever's in front Mm -hmm. of them, then the people start jeering and screaming at him. And Rand watches Loghain toss his head back and laugh. Mm -hmm. Out loud, he wonders why the Aes Sedai are watching Loghain, and he hears a woman's voice say, they're keeping him (laughs) from touching the true source, silly. That that was my Elaine impression. (laughs) It was very good. It was very good. (laughs) And so Rand is completely startled, falls off the wall, and is knocked unconscious. Poor guy. Poor guy. One of the things, because I don't think we come back to this whole white versus red and cockades and stuff, is it just reminds me of... The French Revolution. The cockades. Cockades yeah. <laughs> were something that everyone had. And like your cockade said who you were siding with. And it I just think that it's so smart to kind of put that in there because you know who your allies are on site and you also know who your enemies are on site. It just site. reminds me is... of olden timey political campaigning like in the South when they would have, you know what I mean? What I'm talking about though, yes. they would have their mm-hmm. olden timey man up on a pedestal and talking about their platforms. And then everyone in the crowd would have their little ruffly yeah. pin. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I think it's interesting how it shows throughout 
that point in history. I'm not really sure if cockades showed up at a different time, but that's where I'm familiar with them for. And then it's still something that kind of gets tossed into fiction, but also is still seen when you're at current political rallies. People like to show you wear your cockades visibly. I actually... I still have uh, Lexi from my French Revolution Mm -hmm. class. I love, love, love her. She made cockades for our French Revolution game, and I still have mine. Like, I keep it in one of my research books because I just can't bring myself. So now I'm just going to start wearing it everywhere. Like, I'm going to go to city council meetings and wear tissue paper cockade. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, I just kind of wanted to touch on that, the history nerd in me. Couldn't, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, walk it kind away of, without saying yeah, anything. For people that don't know what one looks like, it's almost like a button, mm-hmm. but with like frilly fabric kind of intertwined mm-hmm. around like in a circular pattern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like you can put them on your hat. Like it was fashionable or... to put them on your hat or on your clothes. Yeah. We'd read an entire like section on clothing and symbols of the French Revolution and of course the cockades were in there but also like how people dressed and it's just really fascinating what happens when people differ on political opinion as well as social opinion and we see this here in Camelin there's definitely unhappiness supreme loyalty and they're all like clashing and they're making it a visible display by like putting on these colors and Rand also mentions that like most of like the people who are coming in from outside are wearing the white mm-hmm. instead of the red because there are so many white and it it makes you wonder how often does the larger group with more power and more pressure push the situation instead of someone's own ideals well you know the ones wearing the white seem to be set on destabilizing Mm -hmm. the current situation yeah like what's their plan after if they're not fans of queen morgays and they're unhappy about it what's their plan you need a plan guys theory on that (laughs) do you Fuck yes. We'll okay. So should we go on to the, the web titans? Yes. So chapter 40, Rand's unconscious moments, uh, because of course he is knocked out after falling out of a tree. Fully concussed. Poor guy. <laughs> Fully concussed. Yeah. I feel so bad for him. Like all he was trying to do was see Logate and instead he ends up falling out of a tree and banging his head and being knocked unconscious poor rooziness makes my stomach lurch when i'm reading it right he he whips his head around and then he starts to i'm like don't move (laughs) don't do that stop it would you like a zofran (laughs) (laughs) poor guy so his unconscious moments are filled with logaine and moraine and bialzaman and so that's pretty Mm -hmm. normal right like just regular subconscious poor rand but when he regains consciousness any idea or hope for normalcy are shattered by the young woman and young man who drop down out of the tree and this is where we meet elaine and gowan gowan however you say it you want to say it yeah yeah we're not snobs just however you like (laughs) (laughs) i mean sometimes But for the most part, (laughs) this meeting of Elaine and Gowan, I think, is really kind of sweet in a way. Mm -hmm. Elaine's got all these vials and pouches and she's like, you're hurt. Let me take care (laughs) of you. (laughs) 
she is. Um, oh gosh, what's the actress from Outlander? Do you know what I'm talking about? Claire. 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 She's Claire Fraser with all of her little vials like in hidden pockets. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, don't worry. Mm-hmm. I got you. Rand has been told that Elaine is the daughter heir of Andor and Gowan is the first prince. Mm-hmm. Is that right? The first sword, I think. Yeah. But Rand's like, way to go. This is not a low profile. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I mean, he doesn't say fuck, but... I will for him. So then the next person who comes into the situation is Galad, and Elaine obviously does not like him and tells him to just leave. He has no business Galad being there. Is a, he's, he's a little bit of a narc. He really is. Yeah, because as soon as he's out of earshot, their guess is he starts mm-hmm. running because it's really just moments before the guards show up and they've got all their weapons drawn and they're pointing them straight at Rand mm-hmm. and Rand is like, fuck, again. But then Elaine and Gowan jump as one. And for some odd reason, when I see this in my head, I kind of picture like jazz hands <laughs> on it. But that's, I know that's not the situation, <laughs> but just the ta-da! to dance this is going in line with our wheel of time musical <laughs> I know. it's a nice jazz I number i think it needs to happen <laughs> they throw themselves in front of rand and talonvor talonvor who is the captain of this group of people i'm not really sure what his rank is i'm sure it says it somewhere in the book but he's under the assumption assumption that rand is a dangerous intruder and they need to protect the daughter heir from him and there's a bit of back and forth until a messenger shows up and is like hey the queen wants to see him her and him all of them let's go or is it, wait did i get that right i was busy looking up Talonvor, what his um, <laughs> title is, and he is oh, thank he's you, lieutenant. Okay, okay. So I know there's like this back and forth, and then there's Talonvor and Elaine are kind of sparring. Yeah, they're not getting along. She doesn't like him. He seems like a bit of they're a. They're both to kind her. of trying to outsmart each other because Morgays mm-hmm. is busy doing queen shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously. And it's a big day, so they're kind of trying to trick each other into a way where, I don't know, Talonvor wants wants Rand basically imprisoned, and Elaine doesn't want more gays to find out about them, so it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a mess. The mess ends up with all three of them being taken to see more gays in the small throne Mm -hmm. room. I don't know why you would need multiple throne rooms. It seems superfluous, but whatever. Go for it. Gawain uses this to say out loud that he's never heard that Morghais has ordered an execution. So hopefully that bodes well for them. And Rand is like, that's not, that's not comforting. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Not comforting. They are announced in the throne room and Rand mimics the way the soldiers, Talonvor and Gawain, have posed to bow before the queen. And Talonvor glares at Rand and Rand is like, what? He's, he, I'm a he's holding his bow very long. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So we get to this point where we are introduced to Queen Morghese, Gareth Bryan, 
and Elida Sedai of the Red Aja, an advisor to the Queen. Rand's intentions come under question. It is determined that as weird as it is, the Heronmark blade Rand wears belongs with him. Because Elida has walked up to him and has been like, it's so convenient that you wear the red, and then pulls the things mm-hmm. aside and is like, oh, a shepherd with a Heronmark blade. And she's so yeah. dramatic about it, and I just love that. But she has <laughs> a lot of shit to say about Rand. <laughs> Right? Like, she's just this, like, here, have a little bit more doom, everyone. I'm sprinkling on doom. This is my doom sprinkler. In my opinion, at this point, I couldn't care less. Like, all this is going on, and I'm just like, okay, Elida. Like, whatever. Right. Oh, it's one of your foretellings. Okay. All right, Elida. They do seem rather convenient. Right? You Mm -hmm. know? Like, just because she says, this I foretell doesn't necessarily mean it's a foretelling. It could be her opinion, and in her mind, it's a foretelling, and so she could still get past three It could be a delusion, you know? It could be completely made up. Right? I don't trust Elida. Her comments on what Elaine can expect when she reaches Tarvalon is that they will shape her. And I, I feel like I'm kind of jumping around, and I'm really sorry, but what bothered me about this is that it's either shaping or killing her. You know what I mean? No. Elida knows exactly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking of that one accepted who tested to become Aes Sedai and who died and never came out of the Tarangriol. So Elaine is potentially being sent off to her death and Elida's like, my sisters will shape you up for the role that you will have someday. And I'm like, and they will well, the- beat her mm-hmm. and treat her badly. And I don't know. This just all comes down to my dislike for the White Tower. I think that's really what it comes down to. I'm worried for Elaine. I feel as though mm, that's a spoiler. Never mind. <laughs> More, okay, this isn't this isn't a spoiler. Morgays hey. has gone to Tarvalin for the whatever the traditional and does there? Yeah, Why do I don't, they go there? I don't. You don't know really. They just do. Mm-mm. They just do. But Morgays has to know what it's like there. She was there, so. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like Morgaze would send her heir mm-hmm. if she thought mm-hmm. there was something to worry about. But maybe mm-hmm. that's just the fact that Morgaze never really made it through. So she mm-hmm. doesn't quite know how strenuous the mm-hmm. testing and, and extreme it can be. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe she's yeah. only, you know, she only put her big toe into the water. So she's not... <laughs> She wouldn't be an expert, maybe. Who knows? Maybe not. Rand observes that Elida was a handsome woman, outwardly placid, yet there was something terrible in her concentration. And I just feel like this says so much about her character. It's another one of those brief snippets where I'm like, yep, that's her. He had sometimes felt as though Moraine was still covered with velvet, and with Elida, the velvet was only an illusion. An illusion. So Elida has the gift of foretelling, maybe. This I foretell. Yeah, and we did this one at at the beginning, so I'm not going to do it again. But after she does that first foretelling, she whispers the next part to Rand, Mm -hmm. like, so only he can hear it. And she says, this too, I foretell, pain and division come to the whole world, and this man stands at the heart of it. I obey the queen and speak it clearly. And she's right. She did. 
but she didn't say it so everyone could hear. We are being set up to know she's sneaky. Yeah, and she's not saying this is the truth. She says, I obey the queen, which she does. Mm -hmm. I speak it clearly. Okay, she didn't stutter, so yeah. She said it as plainly as she could. Yeah, that's not saying this is the truth, but... Mm -hmm. I like that. I love that there are these seeds of distrust Mm -hmm. being planted into the idea of what it means to not be able to lie. Yeah, and for first-time readers, do you believe her or not? That's the question. Yeah, because they're bound by the three oaths. They're not supposed to be able to lie. And there's more on that later, too, in, I think, the last chapter for today, 42. Despite all of the advising she receives, Morghese determines that there is too much suspicion brewing in the city, and she will not add to it. And so she agrees to let Rand leave. And hooray, Rand won't be imprisoned. That's good news. Elaine and Gawain walk Rand to the gate along with the guards. I really liked this because this feels like me so, so often. The one, the wonders of the palace slid by Rand unseen. He was befuddled, snatches of thought spinning by too fast to grasp. You have not the look. This man stands at the heart of it. How often has like something hit your brain so hard that the rest of the world just doesn't exist? And I just feel mm-hmm. this for Rand. Like he's getting all of these punches in so many different ways. This so, is like this is like anxiety. You know what I mean? When your brain is like yes. turning and spinning and you're thinking about something, you're like, where yep. am I? What was I doing? What's, what what's happening? <laughs> yeah. How did I get here? Yes, that's exactly how I feel. And I feel like this would be a really cool shot for the show. You know, Just like the palette kind of that itself. distorted. Oh, God. I can't wait to see what's going to be in the show. I'm so excited. So Elaine, as they're saying goodbye, says she thinks Rand's handsome. <laughs> and she dashes off. And then Rand is like, hey, you were kind of weird when I said I wasn't that I was from the two rivers why did you say that Mm -hmm. and Gowan's like if you wrapped a shofar around your head you would be the spitting image of an Ioman and he's like no but I mean in some ways I feel like he reacts to it this time almost like he's hearing it hearing it for the first time because there have been comments made on his height and his coloring and whatnot but i don't Mm -hmm. know if anyone has just come out and said do this and this is exactly who you would Mm -hmm. look like do you know what i mean i like that about gawain being like this is how it is straight up this is what it is so he leaves the palace rand leaves the palace not gawain and the square in front has emptied after the excitement of the day has passed elijah's gaze is still haunting rand and by the time he reaches the new city he is running and that's where that he's going the distance (laughs) (laughs) he's going for speed he's all alone (laughs) all alone it is time of need did i get that part right yes awesome okay so good at this game so chapter 41 old friends and new threats so just by the just by the name of this chapter, I was like, I something good's gonna happen. Yes, <laughs> like my heart was like, oh thank goodness. Yes. Rand is recounting his adventures to Loyal and Basil Gill about meeting Elaine and Gawain and Queen Morghese, and Basil Gill is like, You're right, buddy. <laughs> and Loyal is like, Taviran, duh. And Obviously. then Basil Gill's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. 
Basil tells Rand that he should leave town for his own safety and Loyal is showing interest and wants to travel with Rand, but then they are interrupted. A maid walks in abruptly and she's like, oh shit, there's white cloaks in the inn and they're all kind of having this moment of, uh uh-oh. And so Rand kind of like stays behind, but still in a position where he can kind of see and hear what's going on. Mm -hmm. Inside the inn, there are white cloaks up to their usual antics, making threats, calling Morghese a Tarvalan witch, and asking about a boy from the two rivers. Mm -hmm. Basil Gill and his hired guards make this really epic standoff that I'm just, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm reading this and I'm like, yes. Yes, this is mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, it was really good. It was, so, it was good. so good. And then all of the the men stand up and they're like, oh yeah, you want to try yep. something? Every person in the room Loved stands it. up and then they run the filthy white cloaks out of the end. The filthy, no good, pasty, well cake-eating white cloaks. <laughs> <laughs> Little Debbie-loving, 12-layered, hey, cake-eating... I love me some little Debbie. <laughs> so do I. Who does that? What are the good ones? Who does uh, The oatmeal cream pies. Oatmeal cream pies. We've been getting those in our Instacart order, and I'm like, we need to stop. We just need to stop with the oatmeal cream pies. It's been like part of that's, dinner lately. That's why the white cloaks I'm are tired. also strapping young lads. <laughs> that's all the oatmeal mm-hmm. cream pies. Mm-hmm. Basil Gill is kind of this unlikely hero of the moment, and I love it. I live for it. And he Me kind too. of he's kind of embarrassed, but kind of laughing it off. And you can tell he's yeah. relieved, like laughing out mm-hmm. of relief, and the anxiety mm-hmm. is kind of just like like coming out. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Nervous. Ooh, that's over. It's mm-hmm. it's like when I laugh at things that are potentially bad and dangerous it's like that weird release that's how my adrenaline gets released is through laughter you know so maybe that's what's happening for Tracy's him too. like i'm sorry your mom died <laughs> <laughs> okay no tracy is not like that i'm lying i'm a liar i would not do that ever oh my god no but that was a good example and really funny so after this whole kerfluffle with the white cloaks, a maid comes in again and says there is a woman in the inn and she's asking for Matt and Rand by name. So Rand name. takes off and everyone's like, no, wait, Rand, like you don't know who it could be. But Rand oh. knows who it is. Mm-hmm. And he finds Moraine and Lan and the whole crew and they have this really nice heartfelt reunion. Um, mm-hmm. Nynaeve is like, where is Matt? So Rand kind of leads her upstairs and I think Moraine is dealing with something about the rats because at this point Mm -hmm. we've heard that there's rats in the inn and there's rats in the city and Moraine is like, okay, Mm -hmm. I know what this means and I got to do something about it. Eyes for the dark one. Nynaeve is heading upstairs and looking in on Matt and Matt is all growly and taunting her and saying these really horrible things to her and and Egwene and Mm -hmm. Moraine kind of walks in and tells everyone get back and there's this Mm -hmm. big moment of like what's wrong with him is he sick is he contagious Mm -hmm. and it becomes apparent that Matt is under the influence of the Shadar Logoth dagger and he yeah. tries to kill Moraine with it, but Lan in a somewhat faster than human movement 
grabs his hand with the dagger in it. And Moraine is telling everyone, you need to leave the room and we're going to try and fix this. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. where we leave off. Yeah. So in chapter 42, Remembrance of Dreams, Rand takes his friends down to the library the back way so they can avoid the common room and being seen. He's mulling over why Moraine had made the request as he walks into the library and realizes that all of his friends have stopped right after coming through the door because of loyal loyal mm-hmm. brand's gotten so accustomed to him that seeing an ogier hanging out with a cat on him and reading a book mm-hmm. is totally normal and forgetting that his friends are experiencing this for the first I time love, okay i just want it before i don't want to interrupt Please. you but no go. i love that there are cats crawling throughout the city now and there's a big everywhere. like there's a big cat trade going on because there's right? rats everywhere and even lamb gwen when Rand's yep. coming back from the procession, Lamb Gwen is like holding a cat and like petting it. Yep. And it kind of has that, what is it? What's the book? Is it Flowers for Algernon? Where he has like a little mouse and he's like, I don't know. It's like it. this gentle giant type character. Yes. And Lamb Gwen is holding this cat and he's like, you know, these jerks. He's like super chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's jerks mm-hmm. trying to, I don't know what they were doing, chasing cats or something. They were trying to take cats from the inn okay so he's guarding the inn guarding the cats like love this guy and you can just see it like if someone were coming to attack him in that very moment while he's holding the Mm -hmm. cats he would very gently set the cat down on the ground (laughs) before he went and kicked Mm -hmm. someone's ass like that's just the kind of person he comes across as i love that you brought that up because i have always Mm -hmm. loved that image it's just so sweet and unexpected loyal starts telling stuff i don't want to get into detail to (laughs) to the rest of the the Mm emmons fielders they're getting to know each other and rand observes that loyal really can't tell a proper story unless he has a few centuries of backstory to it which i completely relate to and just wanted to point that out i guess it's boring like Um, timing time Yes, yes. Brief. Be brief. Matt comes back to the library and makes a very Matt-like apology for the things that have happened that he can't remember. And I love it because this is the Matt that we've been Mm -hmm. missing for over half the book, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to get him back. Yeah. Especially since I I love Matt so much. He is still attached to the dagger. Moraine cannot break that on her own without killing him. So they have to get him to Tarvalon so that he can have help. Loyal greets Moraine as well and offers sanctuary to the servants of the light. And Moraine is like, ah, think twice about that. She's like, every Aes Sedai that's in the city right now is Red Aja except me. And Rand's like, I don't know what that means, Mm -hmm. but Loyal seems to get it. Moraine informs them that they do not have long to stay in Camelon or the Queen's blessing. She mentions that the Children of the Light are looking for Perrin and a Queen, and Rand is like, I thought they were looking for us, and she's like, why in the world would they be looking for you? And he's like, they said Dark Friends from the Two Rivers. Who was I supposed to think it was about? Valid, Rand, valid. This leads to Rand telling of his meeting at the palace, which raises a lot of eyebrows. Egwene asking, who's Elaine? And Moraine muttering something crossly. And I just bet she was. Like, this makes me think of you and how many times you have been like, poor Moraine. She's got to be like, fuck these kids. They're 
giving me gray hair mm-hmm. early, you know? Like, you can just see her. Yeah, not only that, but when they showed up at the inn, Ran introduced them to Basil Gill with Moraine and Lan's real right. names. And she's real just, names. like, facepalm. Like, God damn right. it, again. There are so many moments for her like that through this chapter where it's like, first she raises one eyebrow, and then both eyebrows <laughs> go up. And then she's, like, looking at them with barely concealed anger. Like, yes, like that. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> And I mean, she's a nice guy, trained in being calm, and these kids are like making her mutter crossly under her breath. How I feel like she cursed. She, I think this she is happening. Definitely. She's like, blood and bloody ashes. Light blinding fools. Right. Loyal has a question he's been wanting to ask an Aes Sedai if he ever met one and struggles with the concept of brief. And this is kind of what we touched on earlier, where he was mm-hmm. like, I want to ask you something. And Maureen is like, you know what? There's a lot going on. Be quick. And so he tells the story of an ale man. Aiel man who had come through the setting a while back and what this this man had to say was he said the dark one intended to blind the eye of the world and slay the great serpent kill time itself mm-hmm. Perry and Gwyn speak up and say that they had heard a similar similar story with the tinkers Perrin suddenly remembers where he has heard this from and it's in their dreams where Balzaman has said the eye of the world will never serve you mm-hmm. and they do a little bit of that eye communication and decide it's time to tell Moraine about these dreams. She mentions that each time the Dark One touches them in their dreams, it becomes easier for the next time. Mm-hmm. She also says, remember the stories of the Forsaken binding men to them. Strong men, men who had fought the Dark One from the start. Those stories are true and none of the Forsaken had a tenth of the strength of their master. Not Agnor or Lanfear, not Balthamel or Demon Dread, not even Ishamael, the betrayer of hope himself. And as I was typing this out, I'm like, on Dancer, on Prancer, on Fix It, blah, blah, blah. Like, just this list of things, and it doesn't really mean anything. And I know when I first read this, I was like, who are these people? Mm-hmm. What's going on with them? Absolutely. I'm not going to get into detail, but our Forsaken episodes that we have, I will put links to them. If you're a new reader, you want more information. These are spoiler-free about... as well. They are spoiler-free. It's a history of the Forsaken. So you'll get, like, background details about them, but you won't really get too much about what they do in the main series mm-hmm. just why people are afraid of them in the series because i their names like i don't their know. pronunciations yeah. ha 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 which <laughs> I, i'm saying that because it's Ten- a str- tenderoni it's a struggle. it is always anyway i just wanted to kind of point that out that we actually have those episodes mm-hmm. out there so if you want more information go check that out one of the things that Moraine says about the dreams is deny him and his power fails. We know Rand has done this successfully. There is yet another mention that a web of destiny is being woven around the three boys and every thread leads straight to you. Mm-hmm. And she seems so confident about this. And I think about what that means when you say every thread of the pattern. Is that possible? It's just meh, a little mind bend to think about at some point. Rand is is definitely picking up on the nuances of what is happening around him in a way that he has not in the earlier parts of the books. And he's remembering these words of advice from Tom and his father, and he does his best not to let his feelings show on the Mm -hmm. outside. And I think he does a pretty good job of it. But at the same time, I'm like, 
it's unfortunate that the person you've been waiting for, the person you feel like you should be able to trust the most, you are questioning whether they are doing what they say they're doing because I said I are tricky. I feel like Maureen could have came out with a little bit more information. You know, they were traveling together for quite a while and she never really fully opens up maybe that was out of trying to spare their anxieties or Mm -hmm. we don't know but yeah but still I agree with you and Brand picks up on it he's like you didn't really answer Mm -hmm. my question you kind of skirted it Loyal says all three of these young men are Taviran and Maureen is like one or three when I expected one. It's like getting having triplets. <laughs> I love this because it's just like how I mean, Loyal has met Perrin for two seconds and he's like, oh yeah, all three of them. Absolutely. I to I, I know this. It's like maybe yeah. the Ogier have some ability to see it. I think he mentions that, but I think he also mentions that he doesn't have that talent. Like he's just kind of using what he's hearing about what they're going through. What he's saying it's just like the most obvious thing that anyone, you know, mm-hmm. anyone who doesn't see it is an idiot. It's, yeah. it's just foolish. <laughs> yes. How how can you miss <laughs> yes. this? It's so obvious. Mm-hmm. Taviran. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate the Taviran part being brought up and kind of like mentioned over and over again because it's one of those things. As a new reader, of, you kind of need that. You do because there are just so many things that fall into place so perfectly mm-hmm. that if you didn't have that explanation, it would be like, Convenient. Yeah. Yeah. But like to say something like, like what Maureen says, Mm -hmm. sometimes being Taviran means the pattern is forced to bend to you. And sometimes it means the pattern forces you to the needed path. So really they can go in any which direction Mm -hmm. and say it's Taviran. And I think that that is a brilliant concept to put in for a series like this, where you almost need to be extremely lucky or mm-hmm. have some kind of superpower and their superpowers being Taviran sometimes. Moraine admits she's afraid and also that they need to go see the green man. Both things. Mildly <laughs> preposterous, <laughs> but okay. And then she's like, so we need to get out mm-hmm. now. And the only way we can get out, because we have also found out that there are Trollocs and Fades. What is it, like 12 fists of Trollocs? Something like are, that, yeah. Are, like, located all around Camelin. And, and so she's like, we can't, yes, she can't leave, or the whole group can't leave without being seen, and then ultimately attacked by hundreds of Trollocs. Mm-hmm. So she's like, loyal, you like to travel, and you like to read, and I bet you know something about the ways. <laughs> can you lead us on the ways? And he's, you can see how uncomfortable he is in he's the like, book. He's like, no, thing. You'll, no, you'll all die. No, no. We're all going to die. We'll all die if we go into the ways. And that is where that chapter ends, which just makes me want to go on to the next chapter. Because what does loyal mean? They'll all die if they go into the Did ways. Did you already say something about the green man? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That they have to go tell him. Yeah. Does she explain why in that moment? I don't think that she does. I think she's just like, we need to go tell the green man that this is Mm -hmm. happening. This must be some 13th depository shenanigans that she knows about the eye and the green man. You know, who all all knows about this? Because it can't be common knowledge. The Ogier do. I mean, like Intar Valen. You know what I mean? Brown Aja, maybe. But past that, Yeah. And I mean, for for the most part, the Green Man is considered a remnant of a fairy tale, mm-hmm. if you will. 
And so even like saying it out loud just makes her sound kind of silly, yeah. but they know she can't lie. And I don't, she just says it so nonchalantly. We're going to go see this fictional green man creature. Yeah, but that's all that's all they've been doing. Did you picture the Jolly Green Giant? Because I did. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Only with like more bark covering. (laughs) Well, I mean, before we actually meet him when she says like, we're going to go see the green man. I'm like, so like, (laughs) I just picture like a green giant. Like a man in like green body Mm -hmm. paint. (laughs) (laughs) Unstilled. Because, like, I pictured him very large. I don't know why, but when she says we need to go see the green man, like, I I did not think, like, normal sign. Yeah, exactly. That was what I thought. So I was like, well, this is this is fun. (laughs) That's all I have for chapter 42. Did you have? No, I'm good. Any additional items? Should we take a break? Break, You want to break? Spoilers. And then spoilers. I'm actually really looking forward to spoilers today. Me too. Me too. It's going to be fun. All right. I will chat with you. Did you want me to call you? Do you want to go hang out with Simon? Oh, give me a call. I'm just going to go out. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Hey, friends. I know this isn't our usual ad. However, Amber and I wanted to share with you that things are growing and we have opportunities for you to help us continue to create quality Wheel of Time content. First, we finally joined the world of Patreon and would love your support. We have four tiers ranging from $3 a month to $25 a month. To thank you for your support, there are perks for each tier, including exclusive merchandise not sold in our Threadless shop. You can find out more about each tier and how you can support us at Patreon backslash RoadToTarvalin.com or just click on the link in the show notes. Second, our Threadless shop is overflowing with beautiful designs and various items to put them on. We have coffee mugs, phone cases, tote bags, notebooks. There are also plenty of t-shirts and tanks for the summer. Starting June 13th and running through the 27th, all t-shirts are $15. And there's 15% off everything. And there's free shipping on orders over $45. If you have been waiting to grab yourself some Wheel of Time merch, your time is coming. Third, we love you guys, really. Thank you for all the support you have given and for keeping us company on the road to Tarvalon. So, spoilers. 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 Let's do it. <laughs> okay, so chapter 39, Weaving of the Web. Mm-hmm. This is going back to when you had asked about the white cloaks and the red versus the white factions. Mm-hmm. within the city and I said I think I might have a theory on that yeah I'm excited is it possible that some of the people wearing the white bands are actually children of the light out of Posing? uniform mm. creating tensions and getting people riled up yes I would say that's absolutely possible yeah because the dragon's fang is popping up everywhere, everywhere. and it would be safer for the children of the light to create tensions while undercover because if they get caught in uniform, the city guards are loyal to more gays mm-hmm. and this would create a big problem. Mm-hmm. Like the potential toppling of a monarch with Aes Sedai support who would potentially be replaced by someone of power that had the white cloaks in mind as part of Camelin. Does that make sense? I feel like I said that in a really choppy manner. As part of Andor? Yeah. Instead of being pushed out, they would be invited in. You know what I mean? Because I think 
I, I love this theory and I think it's totally possible. I'm just trying to add to it and I think I'm failing. <laughs> <laughs> so Morgay's kind of has a little bit of backing from the White Tower. And mm-hmm. of all things that Elida is, she would be a very good person to have on your side. For sure. She still has, you know, a lot of contacts within the White Tower. Mm-hmm. And she's not someone that you would turn away easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But going into this a little bit more, this would also give a theory to what we had talked about earlier mm-hmm. when we were saying, why was Dane Bornhold and the White Cloaks in such a hurry? In such a hurry and traversing through these backwoods mm-hmm. and not taking the main road into Andor. Because if all of these White Cloaks are showing up in mm-hmm. big, like, battalions, mm-hmm. This gives the idea that the city would be kind of like under attack. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yes. So yeah. like visually, it might be better for them to kind of sneak their way in, mm-hmm. set up kind of undercover mm-hmm. wherever they might go. And as we've seen with all of these people wearing the white bands, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like if the white cloaks could kind of start this and come in, so there mm-hmm. there were more numbers wearing the white bands, then people wearing the red mm-hmm. would quit feeling safe and maybe quit wearing them. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the point where it's kind of like a 10 to 1 situation. Maybe, you know, maybe these white cloaks are coming in in smaller groups and kind mm-hmm. of sneaking their way into the city undercover mm-hmm. because the white cloaks are all about this destabilizing mm-hmm. methods. And mm-hmm. we see this every time that there's a big, you know, skirmish or when they show up in Emmons Field mm-hmm. and they always kind of show up where tensions are high and then mm-hmm. kind of like put their foot down and like, oh, mm-hmm. we're here, we're keeping order. But they can't really do that in Andor because... They aren't welcome there, right? Yeah, yeah this is one of the places that is has a little bit of Tarval and backing. Mm-hmm. So they can't use their usual methods here, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. It's kind of like, what does it say about the strength of the Children of the Light that more gays just can't make a proclamation and be like, all of the white cloaks stay out. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking about this a little bit more, but like the white cloaks are a massive army of trained warriors. Mm-hmm. There would be really distinct repercussions and retaliation Mm -hmm. against more gays if she were to just say no you can't Mm -hmm. come in yeah so there would be more accusations of dark friends Mm -hmm. and then the next question is would kyrian murandi and the other border nations come to the aid of andor Mm -hmm. or welcome the infighting in hopes Mm -hmm. of more gays being overthrown and then taking the throne themselves Mm -hmm. Or at least splitting up Andor into pieces that make their own countries larger. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But Kyrian and Andor have like the long, the longest going war of any of the nations Mm -hmm. within the Westlands. Mm -hmm. So I don't see Kyrian coming to their aid. Mm -hmm. And then Mirandi is basically lawless Mm -hmm. and they are always having border skirmishes with Andor. So I don't think Mirandi would jump in. Yeah. to save more gays, mm-hmm. even though Andor has the largest army in the Westlands, I think maybe besides some of the Borderland armies, mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, me neither. But I know online it said there's an estimate of 200,000 men in the Queen's Guard. Oh, wow. That's a lot. It's a lot. 
I don't know how big the White Cloaks army is, Mm -hmm. but I'm assuming if there was a war, you would have other nations kind of backing, not so much backing the White Cloaks, but... Stepping aside. Well, if Andor goes to war with the White Cloaks, Mm -hmm. then Kyrian could say, okay, we're going to put all of our men on the border and we're going to keep inching closer to Andor because Andor would have to go there to fight and then Mm -hmm. you would be breaking up their large force. And the same with Murindy. So Mm -hmm. Andor is screwed at this point. I don't think Morghese would be able to do anything if this Mm -hmm. essentially broke out and it would be like a world war and that's Mm -hmm. I think really the heart of it I don't think more gays can do anything except kind of let them in but keep Mm -hmm. her you know queen's guard on standby on lookout yeah and I think that's exactly what Mm -hmm. she's doing I think she's very aware of the mood in the city I think that when she makes the choice to let Rand go instead of imprison him, like she is very conscious of what something Mm -hmm. like that would look like to a city that's already in the throes of just a click away. Yeah. From mob rule and all badness, sadness. So I think she's doing her very best to be as Mm -hmm. just of a ruler as she can be considering all of the things that are happening in her kingdom and it is her kingdom she feels responsible for it. she shows a lot of force but also a lot of restraint yeah like she wants to be thoughtful and i think i think i'm real thankful that gareth Byrne is there because if it were oh, just yeah. elida sitting by her side i Who hesitate knows what would yeah. go on. Who knows what would happen i really hesitate to think that That would be a good thing. I'm sure Elida would like to get rid of Gareth Bryan the same way that she got rid of Tom, but probably a bit more difficult to do than Tom was. Right, and Gareth Bryn has this long-standing place within Morghese's inner circle. Hasn't he, like, served three queens or something like that? Like, he's been doing his thing for a while. Even Elaine and Gawain and Galad all respect him immensely. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just think that the White Cloaks, I don't think that anything is out of... Out of the realm of possibility? Yeah, yeah. I don't think that there's anything that they really wouldn't do as long as they're not going into a full-scale war because they don't want to be seen anymore as, well, I don't know. They they don't really seem to care (laughs) in some (laughs) cases how bad they seem. Mm -hmm. But in other instances with Pedro Nile, he's, you know, another one of the great captains i was just thinking about him so too. i i can't see him pulling mm-hmm. a stunt that would mm-hmm. jeopardize their organization mm-hmm. so i could see them you know like sneaking small battalions into it the city really makes starting chaos yeah having them wear the white bands roughing yeah. up people wearing the red bands scrolling right. the dragon's fang on doors and anyone that favorite pastime yes yes it really <laughs> is though this is like what they do mm-hmm. so it really makes me question are things really this bad in andor or is it just 
the fact that Loghain is there and that Aes Sedai are there, the White Cloaks are like, we've got mm-hmm. a small opportunity here and we have people from all around this area in Andor mm-hmm. flocking to within the mm-hmm. city to just get a just get a taste and see this mm-hmm. big, you know, circus that's going on with Loghain. And I think the White Cloaks would take advantage of that. This theory has legs. I think it's <laughs> I mean seriously, it definitely feels like something that could happen and I think I think you're right about Pedrin Nile because he is really thoughtful. We see later on that he's also a brilliant tactician. Exactly. So he's going to see like the cracks where they are mm-hmm. and push at them rather than go in on a full scale force of destruction yeah so Mm -hmm. being like seen as respectful of the queen's wishes but still doing things like stomping through inns looking for dark friends and intimidating people like that's still something that they can do and get away with it and that feels really wrong right and if things do go down where riots start popping up Mm -hmm. and you know buildings burning people being slaughtered, infighting, the White Cloaks are already there. And they can say, oh, we're here. We're here to help. We're here to help. And it's kind of like the Stockholm Syndrome where Mm -hmm. people are like, oh, we're so thankful. Mm -hmm. But then they really, you know, they don't really help. Yeah, (laughs) and they don't really understand what it would mean to live under a regime that leads to religious zealousness mm-hmm. that can be really dangerous we see it right here in Camelon where the the dragon's fang is being Andor. drawn <laughs> well no Camelon, like the city like oh. since they're talking about like when those white cloaks come into ba- basil gills and and they're like well you don't want the dark one one's fang scrawled just on within, your door yeah just yeah okay. just within the city they're using this as a threatening tactic and this is kind of their MO, you know? Yeah. And that's so, exactly why Basil Gill has these guards posted uh-huh. up at uh-huh. every entrance or exit of his inn because this is just, it's just happening in the night. Uh-huh. And that's even something that they threatened when they come into the inn and they're like, you know, God forbid you find a dragon's fang on your door uh-huh. and making these kind of veiled threats towards yeah. him. Yeah. Which makes it so cool that he, like, stands up to them. It reminds me a little bit of one of my favorite moments in A Song of Ice and Fire where Catelyn Catelyn Tully is in that inn and Tyrion Lannister is there. And she's making this big show, like... And she's mm-hmm. kind of pointing around the room and she's saying, like, you, sir, so-and-so of house so-and-so, mm-hmm. you've gave, uh, you've been, like, a supporter of my father since I was a child and I've grown up knowing your liege lord. And mm-hmm. she's going around and they're all kind of like, yeah, yeah. yeah so eventually, yeah. like, the whole inn kind of stands up and mm-hmm. then they kind of, like, have to run the baddies, making, like, air quotes, the baddies out. <laughs> And they imprison mm-hmm. Tyrion, but that, like, sets off all of the wars after that. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of another one of those situations where Robert Jordan could have, I think he kind of does. He kind of keeps this, you know, like, little moment to show, like, there's instability now yeah. throughout all of the areas within mm-hmm. the Westlands, within Rand Land. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so there's there's a lot that's about to happen in these Mm -hmm. next few books. Mm -hmm. And just like we said 
our last episode with Tom. Tom takes out a couple people and we are seeing the domino effect yep. just like falling throughout all of these lands. Yes. I love it. That's one of my favorite parts is that domino effect. Like yes, yes. this thing makes this happen. That thing makes that happen. This turns into this. Like that's, that's one of the things I really appreciate about these particular books. Just another small point. So many Taviran moments going on even the names of these chapters have a very you know distinct theme around Taviran and a web of destiny yeah that's the other one that keeps coming up and I love that when Rand is talking about the red cloth and the white cloth and what Mm -hmm. it means I'm thinking in my head well that's why Basil Gill was so ready to help and Mm -hmm. willing and then Rand was like god forbid what if I had bought the white and I'm like yes exactly to Viren (laughs) another small thing Loghain can absolutely see to Viren when Rand is witnessing Loghain and he says he's he Rand can't tell that Loghain is actually making eye contact with him when he like throws his head back and laughs. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then later in A Lord of Chaos, chapter 30, he says, you know, I saw a man once who will cause more trouble than I ever did. Maybe it was the Dragon Reborn. I don't know. It was when they took me through Camelin after I was captured. He was far away, but I saw a glow and I knew he'd shake the world. Caged as I was, I couldn't help laughing. And that was what Rand I was seeing. I love that. I love that so it comes good. back to that moment and you're like, wow. Yeah, like I, gobsmacked. That's how, like, yeah, that's, that's what how, it was. <laughs> I always love that. I love those kinds of things that pop up through this series. It's so fun. So yeah, chapter 40, The Web Titans. Mm, let's see here. Randon lowingly meets his half-brother in the this narc. moment. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow. That whole situation of Terengale and Tigraine and who is actually Rand's father and how is he connected. Mm-hmm. And he has a half-brother who is a prince of Andor. That's crazy. But it is clever. Crazy. I it love is clever. it. Mm-hmm. I think in Robert Jordan's early notes, he wanted... Egwene to end up with Galad and not mm. Gawain. Interesting. I can see it. I think to me I that ca- makes I might more actually sense. prefer it. Yes, because like <laughs> she prefers him. Mm-hmm. At least it seems like because I mean every woman kind of gets dopey eyed around Galad. Galad. It seems like yeah. so it, it would make sense that she would be drawn towards him just because of how physically attractive he is. But Mm -hmm. I think if he would have been her warder as opposed to Gawain... It would have made sense him, you know, all or nothing Galad. Right. Like, I can... Like, they would have made sense to me when she flips. Since when? Since the the sex dream. Right. (laughs) And I just want to be like, sweetheart, that's lust and infatuation. (laughs) Don't be fooled. (laughs) Don't be fooled. <laughs> and it wasn't even real. No. Like, it feels like she or gets was kind it? of... Or was it, though? Because it was in the world of dreams, right? Well, that's true. It was like sexception. <laughs> <laughs> Which raises a next question. Can you get pregnant in the world of dreams? Ooh. 
you know what? I saw Who someone talking. I knows? saw someone talking about that online recently, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the the world of dreams, the rules for the world of dreams do not ever feel clearly defined. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? But man, that would be awful and really weird if you could. <laughs> That's awful. I don't know how All to right. think about this. Moving okay, on. Let's, let's go on from here. Talonvor, really easy to overlook and forget in this moment. He's kind of a dick. Just the way that he's responding to Elaine, but I mean... Elaine's bit of a snobby, bossy pants, which is fine. She's the daughter heir. That's what she's supposed yeah. to be. But I feel like and it's I think rubbed... too, ha- being like ganged up on against mm-hmm. these. I don't want to say brats, but that's I'm like I'm channeling my inner Talonvor. Probably yeah. like he's like these brats. Yeah, they get away with everything. But they're also so clever. Mm-hmm. He's always skirting this line of being put in his place mm-hmm. from Elaine. Mm-hmm. But he has to be really like thoughtful about it mm-hmm. because otherwise they're stepping all over him and he can't mm-hmm. do a thing. <laughs> so it's only it's a battle of wits mm-hmm. between Talonvor, the daughter heir, and you know, Gawain Galad. Galad is probably team Talonvor all the way because <laughs> he's a little narc. But I kind of like Talonvor just because he is annoyed by the kids. <laughs> no, because. It's so over-the-top tropey of mm. this sworn protector of the queen, like, mm-hmm. having eyes for her, but from afar. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, this unlikely... Pairing? Yeah, pairing where he's, you know, definitely under her... Authority? Yeah, yeah. It would be hard to be in love with a woman who could just boss you around all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right but he he eventually starts to get a little pushback you know what mm-hmm. i mean when yeah. she's traveling as fayil's <laughs> maid maid servant lady servant woman. <laughs> something like yeah. and people are like oh she's just not very practiced at this is yeah, she like but when when shitty servant when more gaze is captured perrin is like we we're getting them back together and Perrin is strategizing all of these things. Talonvor like goes missing mm-hmm. and he just like went off on a one man rampage looking for more gays. And I think like seven Balwer brings him back. I don't mm-hmm. remember. And Perrin is like, what the hell are you doing, man? And he's like, my life for, you know, my life for I, my queen. I love her. Yeah, I love her. <laughs> and Perrin's like, you guys just need to get married already. And he's mm-hmm. just like, you know, she'll never marry me. She's the queen, but he can't say it because mm-hmm. she's, you know, incognito. <laughs> so I really I kind of like the whole Talon I do too. story. I, I like I like how the two of them kind of. I don't really want to say balance each other. I think Talonvor brings more gays to a more human yeah, feeling. Yeah. But it's like she gets to take all of the good parts and confidence and knowledge of being a queen and turn it into something a little bit different, but still useful. And it's softer. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost yeah. like her love and Talonvor. A forbidden love story. Yeah. And it gets, it gets to bloom into reality. And it's, just, it's kind of beautiful. And she gets to eventually be with someone that she actually likes instead of someone that's for rank or whatever she couldn't move on with things through tom because Mm -hmm. that got muddled and death sentence and whatnot (laughs) those death sentences will get Mm -hmm. you every time (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) 
but it's kind of nice. Like she gets to step down and uh, what is it? She abdicates. Abdicates. Thank mm-hmm. you. She yeah. gets to abdicate and then, you know, like she can be with whoever she wants. Mm-hmm. Like get it more gays. Yeah. I feel so bad for her with what happened with Ravine. That really fucked her up. And then not to mention what she goes through with Amon Valda. Right? Trauma. After Trauma. that happened, Talonvor was on like a one-man death mission, raging, foaming at the mouth. And I think the only thing that happened where nothing came out of it is because the Shan Chan invasion happened and he I was like ready right. to he was ready to die for her and like yeah. kill for her. Mm-hmm. In that moment. Morghese is thinking about ending her own life, too. Exactly. They're both on this. This was a Romeo and Juliet moment, kind of, wasn't it? Totally. Yeah. And, like, Lenny reaches over and pulls her back from, From like. the window. Yeah. And is like, whatever you're thinking, Mm -hmm. this is not the answer. And, I mean, it's weird to think about the Shanchen as being a savior in a situation. But in this particular case, they kind of were. I think this was the most upsetting moments in the whole book for me mm-hmm. and I just thought oh this is this is it man like I don't know if I want to read this I don't know if I want to keep going mm-hmm. like oh this is just awful I just can't I can't deal with it <laughs> and then there's like a tow rocket and then you're like oh shit oh shit <laughs> things are about yes. to change big time mm-hmm. the first time reading and seeing Talonvor, to me, he was kind of a throwaway character that just showed up because you needed him yeah. to be there. And then later on, he just plays this huge role in what happens. And it's unexpected. And in some ways, mm-hmm. he feels like a very different character. Like, I yeah. feel as though Jordan kind of rewrote him a little bit to increase his appeal to more gays. Because really, Talonvor comes across as doing what he's supposed to be doing, but he also comes across as kind of a... A dick. So there's that. Gowan offhandedly is saying that Elaine should marry a man from the two rivers. And I don't know if they ever get married. (laughs) Do they ever get married? They don't ever get married, do they? In the books? Whatever. Well, she gets knocked up by one. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if that counts or not. But maybe Gowan has some foretelling. (laughs) It's a possibility. It's a possibility. Elijah's way of talking to Elaine I feel as though Elaine is where she has put all of her effort in regards to the foretelling that she has had, that the line of Andor is the key to surviving the end of the world, basically. And so her making sure that Elaine gets to Tarval and making sure that Elaine receives the proper training that she Mm -hmm. would receive there. Elaine has been tied to the white tower probably since birth like elida mm-hmm. has been queen morgase's yeah. advisor since she was a noble like before she became queen so she's kind of always been there mm-hmm. i find it illuminating that this is a moment where we see elida kind of expressing what she expects to have happen for elaine she's like you will be the greatest queen that andor mm-hmm. has ever seen and you it's, will be tower trained and i'm like it's strange because through elaine we hear about the softer side of Elida, you know, yeah. like, oh, she made the gardens bloom for me when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And 
it's hard because knowing what we know about Elida, mm-hmm. it's really, really hard to humanize a character like her. It's true. And you think, oh, like she was kind of like this good person for Elaine. But then when you think about it, it's like, okay, was she, did she actually care at all yeah. about making this child happy? Mm-hmm. Or was it just attaching her to... Someone that she believed would be the most powerful person Mm -hmm. because of her foretelling. She believes that the Lion of Andor is the key. So she was really doing it for herself. Oh, totally. (laughs) Totally. She's all about power and Mm -hmm. persuasion. And if she can be the advisor to multiple queens of Andor. I think that would be something really smart for the TV show to do is Mm. have like a flashback moment of a little tiny young Elaine playing in the garden. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, hee hee hee, I'm a little kid. Yeah, just the little soft golden curled ringlets Mm -hmm. and this really cute little girl and kind of like playing in the snow and then Elida like overlooking from a balcony and like making the gardens bloom for her. And you would think, oh, okay, like we're supposed to like this person. Mm -hmm. And then when you get her foretellings, you'd be like, oh, chilling. Okay, Mm -hmm. like what is her story all about? Then when she kind of ends up being a villain, you're kind Mm -hmm. of, it's you know, like a twist, I guess. Yes. No, I love that. I love the imagery of that. I think it would be really beautiful. Cool. Who knows what we'll get? Who I knows? know, but I, I love that. I love that you and I can like see things kind of visually that we would mm-hmm. want to see in the show. Like I still, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I still think my idea for Moraine's snippet was better than what they showed, but that's... <laughs> That's what was your idea me. of Moraine's snippet? I wanted, I wanted it to be like kind of a almost like a tribute to the way that she dresses and so like Mm. have it like an upward shot of her blue velvet cloak from the ground up and get her from the back and have like just a glimpse of her forehead as she puts on like the little thing and then like pull her hood up and walk away and Lan is like in the shadows walking behind her I think that would have been really cool and I like what they did but See, I, that's the thing that's really interesting because they went with this like power, yeah, hard, almost it was almost threatening. She like, was almost nausea. Yeah, do not underestimate the women in this mm-hmm. tower. But we do see a lot of Moraine that is soft spoken mm-hmm. and calm in the eyes of everyone. You know, yeah. serenity. And that wasn't a very serene Moraine, was it? No, (laughs) no. Like, I think, like, I think what I wanted to see was her getting ready to enter Emmons Field. Quiet and almost mysterious. Like, who is she? What's going to happen next? And to have, like, a glimpse of Lan as her shadow going with her. I don't know. In my head, it looks really cool. How much more impactful would it have been if there were no words? You right. know what I mean? That's what like, I was thinking silence. too. Like yes. that would be chilling. Like right. that would leave me being like, 
whoa what's what happening next yeah. yeah and to yeah. like focus on like the the gem that she puts on and everything like just glimpses of Moraine because I feel like that's who she is is throughout the books we get glimpses of her mm-hmm. and who she is I'm so glad we read New Spring because I always feel like after reading it I know Moraine better and I love yeah. that I love knowing her intentions from her point mm-hmm. of view like thank you thank you Robert Jordan for giving us New Spring Maybe they're just trying to push this question of whether or not Moraine is good or bad for Rand Mm. and company. Like Mm -hmm. maybe they want the audience to see this strong, intimidating, powerful woman and Mm -hmm. be like, are you a good guy or a bad guy? But I don't know. I think it's pretty clear from the story. Like she's not a bad guy. Mm Mm-mm. But, but she is a nice guy, and she is mysterious, and she does mm-hmm. not always reveal everything. So there is definitely reason. Man, to doubt you saying her. this, you saying this has just kind of like changed <laughs> my opinion <laughs> of the little teaser. Like I, I thought it was great. Like I, I thought really it was liked cool. It. I mean, it was seconds, like mm-hmm. just like two, two or three seconds. Like they've been through <laughs> all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think you're right. I think something that would have been like quiet and serene Mm -hmm. would have been just as powerful as do not underestimate the women in this tower. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think this will even be something that's used in the show. Like Mm -hmm. I think they recorded it just for this little teaser. Blip. You know, yeah. Yeah. Throw us a bone. We'll see. (laughs) I love love that they give Maureen that level of power and intimidation and make it plain because Mm -hmm. I mean for people who don't know who she is exactly like that kind of gentle introduction may give them a very different impression of who they're going to meet but at the same time wouldn't that be better yeah well I guess (laughs) I I guess it just I guess it just depends because maybe when they introduce her on the show we'll get this like serene Mm -hmm entrance into the two rivers and, and then maybe... when like the Trollocs attack and she goes all badass on them yeah that's what yeah. I want to see exactly. I don't really give a fuck about the the Trolloc farm attack I want to see what happens in the village I, I want to see, see Moraine that. yep and throwing, land fighting throwing lightning Tom. bolts no but she's like calling like hellfire down from the sky and it's just mm-hmm. like yes mm-hmm. so who knows maybe maybe that I'm sure that recording of Morgane was, or Morgane. (laughs) We've been talking about Morgays for too long. They all melt together. (laughs) Yeah. That little teaser of Moraine was Mm -hmm. probably just for, you know, us, for the Mm -hmm. book fans. So we we know who Moraine is. I'm, I'm so, I'm really excited. I think, I think it was a good teaser. I just, based off of what they had done on like the, guitar and the dagger Mm -hmm. and the sword this one just felt off you know Mm -hmm. like it didn't feel like it was in line with what they had given us before and so it wasn't what I was expecting it to be but regardless it's thrilling I'm excited I can't wait for the show same yeah yeah more gays threatening Rand about how if you are found in the palace guards again it will not go easy for you and I'm pretty sure the next time he's at the palace is when he's there to take on Ravine is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
So she's right. Matt, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> everyone dies. Yeah. And then Rand goes bail fire crazy. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's not dead. So yeah. it Truth. sucked and then it didn't suck. So maybe more gays has a maybe, little bit of a foretelling. They all have foretelling. <laughs> all of them. Foretelling for everyone. Um, and then it looks like you've got a note on here too. Yeah. Just how Rand's when he's waking up from his concussion or whatever it was, mm-hmm. Elaine is described as so beautiful mm-hmm. that he's like kind of like, you know, staring at her. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he sees more gaze, he's like, <laughs> now that is beauty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. and, more, and more gaze is clearly a lot older than Rand. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's just like, wow this is the the picture the vision of power and Mm -hmm. beauty and he's like oh my god it's the queen but he he can't stop thinking about like her looks yeah and how she (laughs) like if she were a village woman like Mm -hmm. people like the men would be lining up to marry her even if she was a bad cook or something and then he's like i'm thinking about the queen like she's a village woman what's wrong with me i'm like that's what i was wondering (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that leads to the next question. Like, how hot is Morgaze? I'm betting pretty hot. She's got to be a knockout, right? But I feel like 90% of all the women described to us in the series are, like, gorgeous, beautiful. Even Elida is handsome. Yeah. It's not usual that Robert Jordan is like, well, she was a homely woman with hairs on her chin. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's what the series is missing. (laughs) Women with hairs on their chin. Maybe Lenny will be absolutely like. You know who I want is Lenny. I want no, Angela. I want Angela Lansbury. Oh my god, that would be so fun. <laughs> that would be so fun. I love Angela Lansbury. So do I. She's currently aged in reverse. Really? I swear. I see photos of Angela Lansbury, and I'm like. She looks just as good as she did in Murder, She Wrote. Not going to lie. You want to know something I think is really interesting about her is that in the Manchurian Candidate. No. (laughs) (laughs) uh, In the the Manchurian Candidate, the original, she plays the mother to like the protagonist in the movie, but she's Mm -hmm. only three years older than he is in real life. She looked she looked older when she mm-hmm. was younger. Like, yeah, like she was able to pull off like she this... Benjamin Button her like she Yeah. 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 And I was like, "Oh, well, that's interesting." Cuz then you look at her and you're like, "Oh. Huh. I want to I want to age like her." I wonder who they're going to get for more gaze. She's going to have to be a knockout. Right? I mean, not like that's going to be hard. There are beautiful people all over the world and I think they'll be able to find somebody that's really good. Oh, I always yeah. just I always just love <laughs> when they're like, This person is beautiful, but then I met I saw I saw her mother and it was like her beauty had matured and ripened. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, do you have to use that wording? <laughs> ripened. Ripened? For real? I am not an avocado. <laughs> uh thank you. But no, at least thank go, you. At least go like like a fine wine or something. Right? Ripen no. just makes me think of something that's on the verge of then rotting. Spoiling. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, cool. So I've hit my peak in three days. I will be dead. Awesome. I don't know. That's just uh, that's something that we women have to deal with. Yeah. I swear. I mean, 
I guess people don't even think that that might be kind of offensive. You know what I mean? I don't think so. I really don't. There's such a I will not stand for it. Mm -mm. I don't take it. I don't like it at all. Yeah. So lots of beautiful people. Galad is described as being almost too handsome for masculinity, which makes me Mm -hmm. think that Tigraine and what's-his-face, Terengale, Mm -hmm. must have been really good-looking people. Mm -hmm. And then to have... Gawain and Elaine through Terengale and more gays and have them be beautiful children. Like, there has to be some really nice genetics. I'm betting Rand's pretty good looking. Yeah, but I feel like he's never, like, sexualized either. You know what I mean? Like, I I can't think of a part. I'm sure there there is somewhere where they're like, yeah, he's great looking, but he's he's not described. Well, he's flirted with. Mm-hmm. Like Elsa Grenwall. Exactly. And then when they're at the, the inn, the maid is all flirty and like smiling mm-hmm. at him and whatnot. And I feel as though and Elaine is like, if I told my mother I thought you were handsome, she probably would have sent you straight to a cell. To the so, dungeon. Yeah. So I feel like Rand must be a really good looking guy. Like, right? I don't think he thinks about himself that way, but. I would love to get. <laughs> like a girl's perspective a woman's perspective Mm. where they're like explaining what Rand looks like because Rand in his head he's just like I'm just a wool-headed sheep herder right I'm really tall yeah (laughs) where you get this image of him kind of being like almost like uncoordinated and kind of like yes you know what I mean gangly yeah a little bit gangly maybe Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) broad shoulders but I don't know. He doesn't really seem to get the same treatment that the women of the story do. I mean, mm-hmm. even <laughs> the, the best and the funniest one is when, oh God, is when Avienda is like, look at, look at Elaine. Are her lips not plump like <laughs> apples? And she's like talking about her hips in the bathtub and shit. What did she say? Like plump apples? Like plump rose apples or something. It's I don't something remember. crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Rand is like, "Oh my god, shut Shh. up, stop! I don't know what's wrong with you. Stop that. Yeah. Don't. That's not. Mm-mm. God, I love Avienda. She, she is, is one greatest. of my favorites. I can't wait until she shows up. I can't wait till we get an Avienda cast. Oh my mm. goodness, I'm excited to see what that's gonna look like. Season one, a lot of cool people to be cast clearly mm-hmm. but season two season three like as you get going you're like ooh, okay there are gonna be a lot okay. of people that have to get added right mm-hmm. i wonder since season two was already greenlit they have to have already found i feel like a more gaze and an elaine mm-hmm. or be in the process mm-hmm. of of like singling casting out who they want. yeah yeah that makes sense i've seen some speculation where people have gone through like actors Instagram pages Mm -hmm. and have found like interactions from other actors that they're Mm -hmm. like we think that's gonna be Elaine Ooh, that's fun nothing nothing concrete but But it's like yeah exciting I like that (laughs) old friends new threat sure this is one of these brief little parts in the chapter where I was like, I just have to read this off because when I read it in my head, I was like, ooh, that's good. I love those. I love it. 
and it's right when Matt is drawing the dagger to kill Moraine. Mm -hmm. And it says, one minute Lan was in the doorway, and the next he was at the bedside, as if he had not bothered with the intervening space. Like, damn, that is good. That is good. That is a sentence where I'm just like, "Mm -hmm." mm-hmm. You Mm -hmm. can see it. You can see yeah. it. You can feel it. It's exactly. so it's so fast. Like it wasn't even there. And yeah, like, like it's so, so well good. Written. And then um, it goes on to say, his hand caught Matt's wrist, stopping the slash as if it had struck stone. And I just have to give it to Robert Jordan because this again, he he does this when it gets to land. Mm-hmm. This is like a new spring when, what is it? The I can't think of the name of the chapter. Anyways, when Ran is like six six against one, and mm-hmm. it's just ugh, he does these great he does mm-hmm. these great paragraphs with Lan, mm-hmm. where I'm like, why doesn't you know the gangly sheep herder get? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I love it. I think Lan deserves it, but I think there are other characters too where I'm like, I wonder if Robert Jordan was secretly just like the biggest Lan fan that he gets these beautifully written just you know exquisite details and mm-hmm. where you, you read it and you're like oh that was great maybe but chef's maybe. kiss <laughs> i love it the next thing oh i kind of already talked about this but it was about the hired guards at the queen's blessing mm-hmm. and just them being great minor characters mm-hmm. Langwin, his cat really nice mm-hmm. i liked that too also already kind of talked about the implications for camelin mm-hmm. when you have to hire guards to keep you know someone from defacing your front door with a dragon's fang so. yeah yeah it definitely shows the mood of the city really mm-hmm. well so i added this at the end of the chapter moraine is talking about how the presence that matt has brought with him from shadar lagoth could eventually contaminate cities if it were mm-hmm. left un unchecked. And I feel as though this gives more credence to the Fane, Elida, Egwene theory that we have talked about before, because Fane is basically Mashadar, Ordath, all of those things combined into a Is he not form. like the dagger times a hundred? Right, exactly. Know? And Egwene would go down to the, the, the dungeons and visit him. And mm-hmm. so she had exposure to him. And who knows how contaminating he was at that point. But then also the fact that he spends time around Elida and Elida fucking loses her mind while she's Amarillo and like the way that she treats Mm -hmm. Egwene like that moment where she like attacks her with the one power and Egwene is bleeding and on the Mm -hmm. floor like was that Elida or had Elida been contaminated while Fane was there so I just feel as though this gives it even more weight with Moraine saying what could have happened had Matt continued to carry to the dagger for the dagger. exactly well she yeah. won't e- she won't even touch it right Lan grabs Matt's arm mm-hmm. he doesn't you know block the dagger and or then try to disarm him right he's just like holding the wrist mm-hmm. so I think that's another one of these things, though. It's like it's really interesting to see 
I would like to know where they learned all of this knowledge about it. Is there a introductory course in the White Tower, like what to do when faced with the Mashadar blade, <laughs> Shadar Logoth blade? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just like it's, it's That's interesting convenient. that yeah, it's interesting that Lan knew, you know, what mm-hmm. not to touch. I mean, more ga- uh, more. I'm doing it again. Moraine, <laughs> Moraine, especially like you would understand. Like, yeah, she's probably had this training, and mm-hmm. she would know a little bit more and. Who knows? Like mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. I I would like to see some behind the scenes um lessons in the tower. Yeah. Yeah. Or like some kind of flashback cuz I know we get that moment later on when Moraine goes to visit um Van Deen and Adelaus. Are those they're the two they're the two sisters who've like retired from the White Tower. They've got a shit ton of books. Mm. They're planning on writing something. Are they yeah, and Maureen goes to them for information and extra research and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe this is something that Maureen does frequently, like takes mm-hmm. a break from being on the road all the time trying to find the dragon reborn and hangs out and does research. I don't know. I really don't know. Definitely. But knowing Maureen. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, that's that that seems like a good place for her to be because I can't imagine her wanting to go to Kyrian to use their library. And I don't really think she wants to go to Tarvalin because no. she knows she's going to get snapped mm-hmm. up and told to do something that she doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I would bet that. Yeah, that's all. I don't know. I really don't. There's so many things that there's just like, how did they get this thing? How did they get that mm-hmm. thing? What happened over here? And this is definitely one of them, especially when like Matt comes downstairs and he's walking and he's fine. Yeah. How is he not like just stuck lying in bed after healing because they, like that? They had to use what is it, thirteen sisters and an Angriol at the White Tower to heal to him. him. I, and it took him the, days and, to recover. Yeah. Days. And this was just Moraine mm-hmm. with her Angriol. So hmm. So he's recovered enough that he's mostly normal, but he's still attached to the blade. But he comes downstairs like he's totally fine. Um, okay, okay, maybe that's because they had to actually break the bond with the dagger, mm. and Moraine maybe just healed him. And like, okay, because she says he has to keep the dagger with him, mm-hmm. otherwise he would die. So she couldn't sever the connection. She could, maybe she could only like put a band aid on it or put like a block between the two of them, which wouldn't require any energy from Matt. Because isn't that what happens later on when uh, Ran, when they are in Kyrian and they end up going to like some camp outside of it and they get attacked and Pot and Fane is there and he slashes Rand across the wound that he Mm -hmm. has on his side. Mm -hmm. And then the one Asha man comes in and is like, I've contained it. So that it won't spread. Mm. Maybe that's what Moraine did with what was happening with the dagger. I think that it, was was it was it Dahmer Flynn? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. See, maybe, but he's supposed to be like, like naive, yeah. like exceptional mm-hmm. healer. Yeah, Samitsu offers to bear his child <laughs> if he'll teach her. <laughs> shit he knows how to do i love that why why is that a bribe have you had a baby before have you been pregnant that shit sucks don't do that unless you're ready for it dumb bribe 
but still, I mean, it, I think it shows just how intensely impressed she was by what mm-hmm. he could do. So, yeah, like I was trying, I was thinking that if Moraine had to heal Matt, which is what I just assumed happened, he would be weak and... Like, Tam was weak after being healed, and everyone mm-hmm. is a little weak after being healed. But if she contained the the taint that was spreading to him and then just kind of washed the rest of it away, then yeah. he wouldn't be as fatigued as he had been. Yeah, it had to have been some type of more of, like, a surface, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. healing. Yeah, because it's only, it's only for a moment. She does this – doesn't she do this multiple times? Like, tries to, like, kind of keep that – taint from spreading and it just gets to a point where they're like if he doesn't get to Tarvalon he's going to Mm -hmm. die so yeah yeah, okay poor 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 Matt 42 remembrance of the dream yeah yeah what I really liked on this I I'm sure there were probably more spoilers in this than what I actually wrote down but what really pops out to me is the discussion of dreams and the importance of dreams in Robert Jordan's work. So Maureen mentions that there hasn't been a dreamwalker in Tarvalon for nearly a thousand years, which is mm-hmm. kind of incredible. But we know there are people capable of walking dreams. This has happened in the past. It's happening currently. They just aren't aware of the people who know how to do it. As far Outside as, of Tarvalon. Yeah. As far as I know of, though, is it just... Is it just the Aiel who, like, train in dreamwalking and stuff? Are there any other cultures that do that? I'm not sure. Me neither. That would be a a good thing to write down and come back to, maybe. Because we've, I mean, I'm sure if I looked around, but nothing is coming, like, nothing's coming to me off the top of my head. Mm -mm. Like, the only only group I know of for sure that uses it the way that they use it is the Aiel. Well, and the Forsaken. Age of Legends was a little bit more advanced. So. Yeah, and like things that seem mystical in the Third Age were kind of more commonplace in the Age of Legends. Mm-hmm. But Perrin has a protection in the world of mm-hmm. dreams with the wolves. And I'm actually like, I'm not a really a big Perrin fan. We've talked about <laughs> it. But I am kind of excited to look at his experience learning the dream world because mm-hmm. he actually I think surpasses Aguin. You know? Yeah. He learns I, it in I a think different so way. Too. And he, I think he does a better job of it. And he just doesn't have the same kind of restrictions against it that Aguin has kind of put up for herself. Like he well, just yeah, kind of she's, like she's restricted in the fact that she has to learn it in as a human. Mm-hmm. But he's learning it through this like metaphysical um yeah i don't know he, he's in a different yeah they're all in a different world world amber oh my god but he has <laughs> but, but yeah but he, he has he, a different guide with mm-hmm. a different way of looking at teleron Riyadh. like i don't think parent ever recognizes fully that that's what he's doing he just sees it as like the wolf dream and that's what he refers to it and and maybe that's why he has no hindrance exactly you know what i mean mm-hmm. because Egwene is looking at it as like trying to ride a bike like you practice it mm-hmm. and then you you get the hang of it but mm-hmm. perrin was just flying from day mm-hmm. one yeah. so he never he's like this i can do whatever i want here this mm-hmm. is if I say this is just a weave, like I'm gonna block Balefire, that's mm-hmm. that's that easy. Mm-hmm. But Egwene has to like the mental like hurdles. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, she has to. It would almost be like 
uh, teaching teaching a fish to fly or something you know what I mean like <laughs> yes. it's just it's yeah. a different way yeah of looking at it mm-hmm. of experiencing it I just she's think- seeing it as a human and yeah. she's seeing human mm-hmm. these roadblocks that are you know in our own physical world and Perrin just doesn't see it yeah at all. and he gets <laughs> like he does get that like training through Hopper to mm-hmm like really hone what he knows how to mm-hmm. do and i love that like hopper will drag him into a nightmare yes and be like yes. make it not happen and because mm-hmm. he had that practice over and over again like he still has the practice part of it his teacher is so different and looks yeah at it so it's differently. like it's like mr miyagi versus <laughs> you know like um hmm. you know what i mean like it's like this yes. ancient wise one versus the ideal women who are kind of like, well, like they're they, kind of, you, they kind a bunch of, of like it. clucking chickens kind yeah. of. <laughs> they, <laughs> they're know? stumbling and figuring it out. But when wolves arrive right. in, in the wolf dream, they, they know. live there. Yeah. They live there. Every, it's just, it's just natural to them. So mm-hmm. I really, I'm excited to kind of dig into what that looks like, what that means as we move forward and look at it a little differently. Cause I think parent even, discovers like that trick of traveling through Teleron Rio before Egwene does. But I can't oh. remember for sure. Like I'm thinking of when he because when that's, that's Fael so... gets gets captured in, in Tear. Well and... it's even before that. It's during around the same time as the Battle of Emmons Field because that's when he's running into Lord Luke mm, and he's mm-hmm. jumping like mm-hmm. from one space to the like to one next. mountain yeah. to the next like a blur going from yeah like, so i feel i feel like he just i don't know just parents ability to do this and it it's it's weird because he goes through the wolf dream and does not refer to it as teleron road so up until kind of putting all this together for some odd reason i was like dreamwalkers are just women no, Tracy, you're very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it even tells you here in Eye of the World that there are male forsaken who are really good at walking mm-hmm. dreams and, and doing things to people in dreams. It's It sounds pretty sketchy but it, and awful. But, but yeah. it does seem interesting that mo- that we see mostly, mostly women. Mostly women, yeah. So maybe it's just something that they're more in tune to than most men, and Perrin, mm-hmm. because of his connection to the wolves, gets pulled into it. I I don't know what the barriers would be between genders, but we definitely see more women. Egwene's future as a dreamwalker herself, I'm really excited about, because I really think that the world of dreams is such a fun addition to mm-hmm. the series so i'm looking forward to that part again and i have to ask because this is just one of those things that kind of hit me when i was reading through it is moraine really thinking that this is the dark one touching matt Perrin and Rand's dreams it seems like she absolutely feels that that's what's happening i feel like after the story is repeated about the eye of the world and what has been said to them in their dreams and these moments of the Aiel women and the tinkers saying that there were these kind of prophecy Mm -hmm. threat being passed through different cultures. Maybe this is Moraine just kind of putting it together like, okay, maybe the seals are breaking. Maybe this really is Tarwin Gaiden coming Mm -hmm. and this is it. Like Mm -hmm. maybe this is just her clicking into it's go time like fight or flight and Mm -hmm. that I think that really 
explains why she's like, we need to use the ways and we need mm-hmm. to travel. And mm-hmm. Loyal is like, we're all going to die. We're and all die. Yeah, and Moraine is probably like, at this point... The world is going to die. Yeah, the, the world is going to end, so... Mm-hmm. So let, let's let's get going. Let's get all yeah. the ways and get the fuck out of here. And on that note... <laughs> <laughs> I I don't have anything more to... Oh, okay. oh wait, no. Oh. There was something that I wanted to say real quick. Moraine has already visited the Green Man once. This will be her second visit to him... And that it's not supposed to happen. Like if you're seeking the green man, you're when only did she meet to... him? When did she meet him? The I'm first pretty time? sure it says something in the end, like in in those chapters in the end. I'm fairly certain it says something about her having been there before, but that his location always changes. I may hmm. be wrong. I may be wrong, and hmm. I will edit this if I am wrong. <laughs> and just making up shit as I go along but I feel as though that's something that has happened but um I'm kind of like like, we would not like to mislead anyone (laughs) you know yeah you don't want someone being like well I heard on the podcast right has met him twice and we're like (laughs) no 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 we were wrong (laughs) I was wrong but yeah I think that's that's it that's it (laughs) okay thanks so much for joining us we will continue to release new episodes every wednesday we would love if you would subscribe to the podcast leave us reviews and share us with your friends in the wheel of time community let us know what you thought of our content correct us send us things we may have missed you can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.